Welcome to Spark.Grow, a series of conversations on topics that are critical to companies and people that want to grow, scale, and maintain their performance. Spark.Grow is brought to you by Ann Arbor Spark and hosted by Dave Haviland, founder of Fimation based in Ann Arbor. This conversation was recorded in the podcast studios of the Ann Arbor District Library. Now we'll turn it over to Dave Haviland for this conversation. Welcome to the second episode of the Spark.Grow podcast series. This is Dave Haviland. I'm a strategy advisor and business coach with Fimation Strategy Group here in Ann Arbor. And I'm at the Ann Arbor District Library here downtown branch uh, in their nice recording studio with Chris Singh, who certainly is known around Ann Arbor and beyond. Chris, what's your official title or or? Or do you have one? Uh, fan and friend of Dave Hamill. I am a partner at Raymond, which is a, a regional CPA firm with a great office here in Ann Arbor. Okay, great. I'm glad to have you here. Thank you. Um, you know, a lot of times it's nice to start with softballs, but I kind of want to just jump right in and get kind of deep on things. And so, um, so when you're working with business owners and you're giving them advice, What's the hardest thing that they have to deal with when they're listening to that advice or when you're working on, with them on something? Um, it is my pleasure to work with about 200 companies in the Ann Arbor area, somewhere between zero and $50 million. So um, every day I get a phone call with all kinds of different exciting questions. I would say the hardest thing for them to hear are things that um, require the leaders to change their behavior. It's mm -hmm. really easy to hear something that says my workers, my clients, my vendors are doing something wrong, and I'll get on that, I'll fix that. Um, but when it comes down to their behavior, their decision-making, their style, um, that's hard for them to hear. And they don't have a lot of peers that um, they work with, you mm -hmm. know. And so from our perspective as advisors, and lots of professional service advisors serve this too, we kind of come in as their peer, and, and we talk to them as their equals and say, you, you know, it, it's you. The mm -hmm. problem here is you. And, um, and that's okay, but uh, that's where the, the change starts. How often is that the conversation that you have? Is that 20% of the time or 80 or, you know? Um, probably at the principal level, it's probably 20, 20 to 25% of the time. Okay. Yeah. For the most part, the folks that they're working with know what's going on, and if they're giving clear directions, they're doing a nice job for them. But, but the leaders are, are the ones that cast the vision and sometimes cause the confusions, <laughs> and, uh, and things go awry. I think uh, small... Um, Small parts of the leader can be uh, extrapolated and, and amplified as it gets out into the rest of the organization. Very true. Um, so what kinds of things are you working on with your clients these days? People know Raymond probably mostly as an accounting firm, yep. but I know you do work much beyond that, too. Uh, uh, as a partner there, and I, I aspire to be a business advisor to my clients. So I am certainly helping them with the nuts and bolts of their tax and their accounting uh, needs. Um, I'm also helping them with, with things that are important to their businesses. It might be refinancing. It might be um, branching into new service lines. It might be expanding. It might be contracting and selling. So um, a lot of time it's, it's, it's what what the needs of that current business are. I would say specific to right now with the new brand new tax bill that's hit, we're spending a lot of time helping people um, understand that and how to um, take advantage of it. Even though a lot of people won't understand what their taxes will look like until next spring, um, we're all living with the changes now. And if we can start making some decisions, um, there's restructuring that can happen. There's um, changes with 
contracts and timing that um, we can help people sa save some money and, and understand how to optimize the new tax code. It's, it's a new language for us. Do you see that playing into any strategic decisions like expansions or things like that? Uh, are they thinking about how to put the money to work uh, in the business? Uh, it's interesting, not yet. I okay. think right now folks are trying to understand how much more money, will they have more money, mm. how much they might be, um, and they haven't quite made the decision for the, the second set of how, how will I reinvest it. I would say most of the business owners I've talked to right now are looking forward to um, receiving a little bit more money themselves, okay. and that's all right. Yeah. Um, but turn, turning the second set of decisions, I think, is, is the next phase to mm -hmm. help them with. And um, when I think of fall, I think of strategic planning. Yeah. How many of your clients are involved in that? Do you do you you you're largely working with uh, the target market for this show, which is second stage you know, companies that have been around mm -hmm. for a while. Do does everyone at that level for you have a strategic planning process of some sort or? No? Now this I know this may be music to your ears, Dave, but yeah. not a lot of them do. <laughs> Th there is budgeting. That's mm -hmm. what happens this time of year, but that isn't necessarily strategic planning, and right. I think that's kind of a flaw out there. Now at the the Raymond level, I'm also on the the board of Raymond, and, and we're um, going through a five-year strategic planning right now. We've decided to focus on um, talent, technology, and customer experience as our focal points of our strategic plan. And, and I would say in most businesses and industry, those three, talent, technology, and customer experience, feel free to borrow those because yeah, I think right. they're going to be very important in, in the near future. So can you talk a little bit maybe about each one of those? Sure. On, on the talent side, um, we are blessed to have a, a multi-generational workforce and a multi-generational client base. So, um, and, and we really are finding that talent, um, talent is able to leverage their options right now. And mm. so talent is, is tough out there. You know, we are um, needing to make sure that we find our star performers and let them know that they're stars earlier even though that sounds like terrible parenting, to find your favorite kid and tell them that. <laughs> um, th that really is what we're finding we need to do because in our business, not everyone will stay with us for the long haul. And in order for the future of our firm and the, the, the work we do for our clients, we'd like to um, keep our stars here as long as possible and let them see um, what the future looks like. I have a question before we go on. Sure. What portion of your overall um, work group is high performing? So what, uh, what portion are you having that conversation with? I would say 10%. Okay. Yeah, yeah. We, d we go through a rating system each year, and it may not be perfect, but that's probably 10% of our, of our workforce. We, um, you know, so that leaves 90% of very important people, so right. that's, that's a good segue. Um, and it doesn't mean that there isn't a, an amazing future for them, and so we, we need to do a better job there, too, about letting people know what different career paths are out there within mm -hmm. our firm and outside of our firm, too. So, so talent, sometimes we have the people maybe that we don't need as much of and then we don't have enough of the people we do need and, and that's going on in our client base too. Mm -hmm. I get Those are some of the calls I get weekly from my clients. At, at all levels, they're looking for talent um, and there's a lot of trading going on, trading within CPA firms and trading within um, hmm. uh, private businesses as well. Hmm. Trading meaning trading swapping? People. Trading people, <laughs> yeah. That's amazing. Yeah, yeah. and I think, uh, yeah, you know, the, the next you and I have talked a bit about the next generation of workers and mm -hmm. how they now I guess we can call ourselves middle age, <laughs> we have, um, and, right. and how they it's the the attitudes we feel towards loyalty are a little bit different than we grew up with, and and I think we all just have to kind of understand that that uh, um, next generation maybe 
in it a little bit more for the experience and happy to take their experiences on to the next to the next job and and that's okay we have to kind of stop licking our wounds on that and and celebrate them and and keep relationships with them because sometimes those we keep business relationships with with those people that are alumni of our Mm -hmm. organization right Um, but that's it's a lot of change yeah I have uh, several clients that had their compensation structure um, oriented around long-term stock ownership, and they've had a real challenge with that given that um, millennials are interested in more current pay, in part because they don't know if they're going to be around to to use that stock, and then also in part because there's some bills to pay. Yeah, and that probably offends your clients in that situation because they feel this is a gift that they were giving. Right, right. It's something that uh, is very special and that not a lot of people earn. Yeah. That's a good, um, yeah, very in, observant. At least within Raymond, you know, it's a bit of a, we, we, we work, we sell time for a living. And so we, we work hard and we, we get um, a good compensation for what we do. Uh, but it's, it's a little bit different in the model of next generation workers. We've lost some people lately. And, and the trend, I would say, was for their leaving for less hours and less stress and less pay. And ah. so we have to kind of understand how to work with that because that's still hard for me to get my head around that. Without getting into name any details, do you think there will be some kind of change to the business model itself for you all? That's a good question. We do talk quite a bit about um, can we can we see a world without timesheets? And so all professionals, many professional service firms have that too. But and and I think that's probably where we need to work to. We need well. we need to describe what we're doing for a company or for our, our individual clients and, and say this is what it will cost and um, and, and get away from it. it. It took me this many more hours than it should have or less. Mm. And so so I think that's what we need to do. We, we need to start measure, stop measuring ourselves by hours and then we'll stop measuring our people by hours. Yeah. So yeah, easy to say, hard to do. Yeah. <laughs> so a last question about talent and then yeah. I, we can hear about technology. Um, do you think that you all will be investing more in your talent or is this just more of a change of focus from what you had before? I think we will be investing more in the soft skill and the leadership development mm-hmm. of our talent. Um, another aspect of the talent that we're working on is we have a, um, a huge amount of, of baby boomer partners and leaders. So, in fact, in our firm in the next uh, five years, we're going to be um, retiring a third of our partners. Wow. And the next five years, we're going to be retiring 50% of our partners wow. um, and taking the if, if you take the assumption that partners are leaders, you don't necessarily have to take that, but if you do, that means that there is an amazing amount of opportunity for the mm. next generation coming up below, bef- behind us. Um, whether or not they want it, we have to reassess. But um, finding the next generation of leaders, we always say we don't have enough leaders, and, and in my client base, I see that too. Um, we're always looking for more leaders. And I would say too, we'll probably be hiring a more rounded workforce. Mm. We're bringing more and more consultative services. We bought an IT firm this year uh, called Trivalent. We bought an, an, an HR or an HR practice and a payroll practice. And we'll be doing more and more um, consulting and outsourcing, less meat and potatoes, technical accounting and tax. And so that needs a, a broader skill set. And, and for better or for worse, there's probably 50% of the rest of the business out there that are saying the same thing. Yeah. So yeah. that that talent of being able to uh, be flexible and and uh, and and operate in a number of different areas is going to be uh, valuable. It's it's changing. There's less. I mean, there's less accounting students. There's less um, mm-hmm. students interested in taking the CPA exam, which in my day was kind of how you got into this business. So now we have people. We, we don't push that anymore. So it's it's really it's changing the paradigm right. for 
those of us that you know came up during our own set of rules, and the rules are changing, but yet we're, we're in the same business. So. A perfect segue to technology. Yes, technology. That um, is something that we are embracing, and we probably, if we're spending anything less on uh, talent resources, we're sp probably spending that money towards technology. Mm. Um, we're looking at more and more ways to work electronically with our clients. I mean, in, in our uh, most of our models, we uh, prepare financial statements or tax returns. We send them through a system and never print a piece of paper. You know, it comes in electronically, it goes out electronically. Questions and analysis are done electronically. Um, as we have different generations of customers, um, that, that is, they receive that in different ways. Yes. Um, but, but that is changing as well. So um, finding um, more ways to do less um, labor-intensive tasks. You know, we, we try to do very little of pushing numbers and typing words and, and just ha let technology do that for us mm -hmm. so that most of our time is spent um, analyzing, consulting, discussing um, doing things that um, we think are more value-added mm. for our clients. I always think that the bots are coming for all of us, yeah. including you know professional services folks who may used to have been thought of as as uh, as you know able to avoid that. And so, um, how long do you think it's going to be before uh, you have professional services accountants that are replaced with computers? The, the advice part. Yeah, we're, we're hanging on to the advice, but I, you know, five to ten years, it's, it's going to change a I lot. Yeah. Um, the audits, I don't practice as much in the audit side of the practice as I used to, but in, in that world, we really are preparing ourselves for auditing being completely different. Mm. It's, it's a world where you, you come in and you, you do some things during the year for a client, and, and you... Um, in order to assess that their systems must be working right because they're not broken, and so the balances at the end of the year must be right, mm -hmm. and, and that becomes the audit. Mm -hmm. um, and so that's a lot more um, machine learning and a lot more um, non-humans doing the work, and so we're really preparing ourselves for the, the auditing world to change quite a bit. It's already a pretty commoditized part of our business. Yeah. All right, and last one? It's customer experience. Okay. And that's really... Um, forcing ourselves to step back and, and understand what the what our customers of all these generations and all these um, different industry levels are, are looking for from us and how we're doing. Um, so we are assessing that through surveying, we're assessing that through focus groups, um, we're assessing that from the platforms that we speak to customers in and how easy it is for us to do business with Raymond. Is it easy for us, for mm -hmm. people to do business with Raymond? Yeah, I would say customer experience was on 20% of my clients' strategic plans at the beginning of tw 2018, and it's in two-thirds to three-quarters of the conversations wow. that we're having now. I'm glad here. to hear that. Yeah, I'm, it's remarkable. I'm curious. We, we have a director of customer experience. He's mm -hmm. a great guy. He's named Mitch Reno. He's a really innovative thinker, and I'm curious, is that in your client base? Are, are they, they may, may be using a different title, but they are, are they calling that out as a senior-level position? No, and th that may be a function of the size companies sure. that I'm at. So it's a, it might be a committee, it might be a meeting that they have quarterly, something mm -hmm. like that, but um, I don't think any of them have an actual titled person. That's um, Mitch is important in our firm, and when he uh, he calls us, we we know that there's a client that's happy or not, and either uh -huh. either one is important. <laughs> so um, so he he gets a lot of uh, a lot of attention within the firm. Well, and I think um, 
for a couple of my clients, they are trying to respond to the customer's expectation that everything should operate like an iPhone yeah. and everything should be delivered Amazon Prime yeah. um, uh, timing. Yeah. And uh, that is very hard for the rest of the world to do. It is. Um, all these systems that we have, and I don't think Raymond's alone, my customer, my clients are the same way, but we have all these backroom systems that have, you know, uh, redundant data and so it's the, the clients really don't tolerate Chris how in the world could my middle initial here I had that question today how in the world on this form is my middle initial there and it's not on this other one you know what so it's it's true they really assume everything is being perfectly synchronized yeah. probably should be um, so we need to get our technology up to speed so that we're meeting those expectations I do think it's pushing all of us to be better I also think that um, you will never catch up with those big boys. True, true. <laughs> All right. So um, I would like to go, I guess, to innovation. And do you do um, a lot of innovation work with clients, either you or Raymond? Within um, Raymond, we're certainly um, innovating in terms of how we go to market and how we go to industry. Um, what we do, which maybe is not that innovative, is we really double down on what our customers want. Um, so in, in terms of, you know, if, if we think it's something as a, a service line or a, a product or a flashier way of doing things that sounds good to us, we really want to go to the, the clients and the customers and understand if that's something that helps them. We, I, I have an example within that we, we have a wealth management division and we also have a private equity service um, group. And so um, what we're doing is we're merging those two together and we're forming our own private mm. equity fund. Mm. And, and we're um, giving, bringing those investment opportunities to our clients because of the relationships that we make in the venture capital world. So we're bringing both sides of our, our world together, um, and it seems like it's been a win-win solution yeah, so far. Yeah, that's really cool. Do, um, is innovation something that's on the agenda every board meeting or every strategic meeting? Or is, is there something formal like that, or is it more just when things bubble up then you – have the ability to recognize that and promote it when it needs to be. The, the latter, but where we really have talked about in the board board level, and I hope we get that off the ground th soon, is having a think tank within the firm. Mm -hmm. I mean, we have 900 super smart people within the firm, um, eight board members, so we don't know anything compared to the 900, but really empowering them um, you know, to, to have a, a systematic, meaningful way to send innovative ideas mm -hmm. through and, and get some attention to it. That's something, I a charge I would love to lead. Yeah, that's neat. Um, when I think innovation, I also think about change. Yes. Uh, I'm guessing that you've worked through a fair amount of change with your clients. Yep. Any lessons to share? Uh, or change. Advice or? I would say find humility in change. It's mm. very easy to come up with the idea yourself and, and get in a room or get in a boardroom and tell people, this is the change we're going to make today, and these are the, these, this is my idea, and this is how we're going to do things differently. I would say where the rubber really hits the road is when other people have changes. In fact, we're going through a restructuring of departments here, and uh, mm. you know, it, all of a sudden pe people are going to have different hats and, and sit in different places or, or virtually sit in different places. And it's really an understanding of knowing that this changes for the greater organization, whether or not it was your idea or not, <laughs> um, and to really find hum humility in that and a, and a way to keep the, the greater good. I'm, I'm guessing that you've been in um, meetings and conversations where there hasn't been humility. And right. um, I think of the antidote to humility is conflict, um, con conflict ability, so to speak. Um, but, but how do you manage it if you're in 
uh, a change process and the leader doesn't have humility to recognize maybe what his or her role is. The um, someone that that person respects has, has really got to take them aside and have mm -hmm. a one-on-one -on -one conversation. You're not going to get anywhere in a group setting, but um, if, if there's a, a, a blocker in the room, and very tough when it's the top-level leader. Mm -hmm. um, sometimes um, in some of our you know common business clients, most likely their workers are going to leave. They may mm -hmm. not, and they may not tell them why, but they really don't believe in that leader's ability to morph and change and mm -hmm. show humility to move forward. Wow. So I would say peer, you know, I know you're great about setting up these peer groups, and, and that's the one advice I would give to the CEOs and the leaders out there. I mean, find your peers. Mm -hmm. You know, um, there are many groups out there that, that allow you to, to work in a confidential setting and to really bear your soul, but um, leaders are alone out there, mm -hmm. and we don't know everything, and we really need to, to, to learn from others and, and hear some hard truths about changes that need to happen. Mm -hmm. As we were talking uh, before the show, you said that hardest thing about being a leader was being, being alone. Being alone, yeah. yes. We hear that from our clients all the time. Um, you know, kind of at the CEO level, and they—if it—it could just be personal issues, it could be business issues, um, and they—they they often just need someone to talk to mm -hmm. because they don't have anyone there who's. Um, uh, walking in those shoes day to day, um, but those that I think that excel the most have have peer groups, um, either that they form themselves or f informally or formally that they can really talk to. And more often than not, the the challenges that these leaders have, other people have walked through them, mm. lived through it, and it hasn't been fun. But it's when you talk through it, it's it's easier to see the answer. So if you can generalize, what part of your job is business consultant and what part of your job is um, therapist Ah, and, and kind of personal Boy. counseling? I think it's the same. 50-50? <laughs> Probably. Yeah. It's often in the same conversation. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, it's you, you have to get tough with them. And, um, and I think the best advisors out there um, give advice from love, but they give hard truth and that you are screwing this up and this is mm. why. Mm. It's a hard yeah. line to walk for a trusted advisor, but it's probably an important one. It is, um, yes. And that, uh, we, we is, that, that's a great gift. If, if we actually get that role of being someone's trusted advisor, we better not screw it up and we better um, use that gift wisely. Do you have any advice for how business owners handle important decisions? Um, I would not make them immediately. I would sleep on it. And that's something I've learned myself too. But um, Is sleep on it something that's like a week long or is sleep on it something that is six months long? Or I would say it's it's a, it's a night or more long depending on how, how big it is or how, how, okay. mu how much more information you need. Um, what, what I have learned, at least through my leadership odyssey, is the right answer for any organization is never my answer. Mm. The right answer is one that um, I can collaborate and talk through with other people who have the same common goal and one that leaves everyone there feeling a little bit dissatisfied. Mm. So I would say the right answer for leaders is one that makes you feel a little dissatisfied because okay. that's probably the overall better answer for your company. Yeah, that's cool. A lot of the work that I do with clients focuses around focusing and mm -hmm. focusing as a way to get um, important things done, you know, clearing out the mm -hmm. mental space to focus on that stuff. Um, how do you maintain focus personally? Uh, well, we, when you, you sell time for a living and have to account for, I think I account for, 
I don't know, every three or six minutes wow. or something I do. That's kind of crazy. Um, I do, uh, I'm a big fan of Rob Pasek. So he yeah. has, um, I've been a, a self-aware student of his this year. And so I, I have kind of started goal setting myself, mm. you know, night before, early in the morning about what what does a good day look like okay. and what really has to happen um, and then assessing. And I think it's good to kind of let go because nothing's, things rarely go the way you want. And so just let go of that at the end of the day, mm. celebrate the good stuff that <laughs> happened, and try it again tomorrow. Um, but so, some of the, you know, the, the big goals, like we have, a t- we have a tax deadline I'm working on now that's on Monday. So we have systems around us to help us set the hard goals, mm-hmm. the soft goals, those promises we made, those, those good expectations that are out there. I think that's incumbent upon ourselves to find our own systems that help us honor those. You know, where my mind went to immediately when you said you had a deadline on Monday uh-huh. is that probably would mean that I would be working on Sunday night or something <laughs> like that. You know what I mean? I mean, yep. it's just part of the reality of, yep. of life. Um, but I don't think that's how uh, next generation folks always see it. How do they see it? That weekend time is special life balance time and that, you know, the the job that needs to get done um, kind of can end somewhere between five and six o'clock on Friday yeah. and pick up again somewhere between seven and nine o'clock on Monday morning. Yeah, I, I, now I see where you're going. Th- that is true. I mean, um, our, my generation, our generation, we would just do whatever it took to get done. And so, yes, yeah, so that's um, with our next generation workers. We, we do have to kind of set expectations of when we think they need to be working and how many hours mm-hmm. and that kind of thing. But you're right, it's a tough conversation when it's more than we originally told them. Yeah. Um, and so, uh, yeah. So it's let's talk about, let's talk about the upside to what is happening with that, right? Because okay. it is a change. Yep. Um, and, uh, you know, uh, one view would be that, well, since um, there's a group that isn't doing work, another group needs to pick up that slack mm-hmm. and do the work for them. Unless uh, technology will save the day. There you go. Yeah. Um, the other view would be they're um, instilling a cultural change so that we all get to benefit from that. And there are fewer missed kid baseball games and, you know. And I, th- I think there's a lot of truth to that. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, as we get frustrated, kind of the next generation of workers, that they're not working harder and they're not here, um, but what are they doing with their time, and, and how is that benefiting them? So they're, they're probably right, and so we need oh, to yeah. kind of transition our whole think thought process around that. Um, so, so yeah, maybe that's that's part of the change agents thought yeah. of myself that I need to fig- figure out better because they're probably right. They, I think they that's are. That's probably a yeah. longer, more sustainable, happy life. Right. Now, the right. financial side of that, you know, I guess they don't sweat it as much as we did. Yeah. But <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I think that's right. And, um, you know, I, I was talking to Ari in the last podcast, and he has a model that I, I, I don't know if he calls it agrarian, but it to me it feels agrarian in how he thinks uh-huh. about the ecosystem. Um, and I think a lot of business today is, is moving back to an agrarian lifestyle, which is, um, you know, you don't have a big retirement account that you funded yeah. all the way through. You're maybe living with your kids or, you know, whatever yeah. whatever life was like on the farm in, in, in the 1800s. Um, so so uh, we may see a change in, um, in the balance between what we live for today and what we live for in the future. Yeah, that's true. I, I think a lot, of, a lot of generations were working hard for their kids, and so uh. maybe, maybe we'll decide not to. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Stay tuned. Yeah. yeah. Talk to Ari. Get counseling from Ari. Um, we talked about 
what the hardest thing is about being a leader. How about mm -hmm. uh, what's the hard thing about running a business? Yeah, I was thinking about that. I, I would say it's 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 doing the right thing on a day-to-day -day basis. I mean, and mm. so I'm thinking of this with my Raymond hat on it, and I'm thinking of this with the constant, you know, the, the, the ongoing consulting I'm doing with my clients. You know, we, we all set up these rules about how we run our business, how, how the industry runs the world. But w when things happen, um, it's a leader's job to step back and say, is that the right thing? Mm. Even if it costs you money or makes you money, um, is that the right thing for these people? Is that, in, which is a really customized, um, personalized decision process sometimes. So um, th there's guidelines, there's, we call them guide rails at Raymond about how, what business practices and how we should make decisions. But we all empower each other that when the rubber hits the road, it hits the road, what's the right thing? Mm -hmm. And we have to get behind each other on that. When I hear that, I think about core values and culture and things like that. Do you all at Raymond spend a lot of time around uh, around those kinds of we things? We do. In fact, we we um, we we give um, rewards based on how how people are living some of our core values, which include put, putting people first, mm. um, showing unwavering excuse me unwavering integrity, mm. and um, and giving business wisdom to our clients. Yeah. Are Putting those, people first is a biggie. Are those the three? Those are the three. That's really three good. Three big. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's great. Um, all right. Let's see. Any? Um, I think we've done a good job talking through things. We have. We have. So um, what's coming up for you uh, here in the fall, and uh, when does the whole tax season kick in? Um, for getting incredibly sure. busy. We're wrapped, well, we're kind of, we call this our second busy season now. So for, for the pro procrastinators out there, <laughs> if you were a procrastinator that owns a business, your, your return's probably due on Monday. If you're a procrastinator <laughs> that's out there on your own, um, your return is due in, in October. <laughs> so we're kind of in this weird world of uh, thinking about last year, living the current year, and planning for next year. So wow. it, it kind of, and then helping you know clients plan the, plan the changes and plan their businesses going into their, their budget cycle. Okay. So as, as my kids say, I'm, I'm either in busy season, recovering from busy season, or preparing for busy season. <laughs> now, what the next generation will do will be a whole different story. <laughs> That's just how we've done it. Are there any, are there any lessons from parenting that you think are, are relevant for business? Uh, speaking I, of them. Yeah, speaking of, yeah, I'm, I have three wonderful boys at home mm, and a wonderful husband that stayed home and been with them every day while I could go through this crazy work life. Mm. Um, I, what I love about my kids is they they don't think what mom does is that exciting. So okay. I, I get my most humility from them. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I think that's a nice balance. You know, it's we have professional lives and personal lives, and, and we're not such a big deal in either. I have yep. met some people that operate their personal lives like their business lives, right? How they so? Have, oh, they have... Um, annual plans and ah, metrics, um, wow. things like that. So it sounds like that's not the way your no, family is. No, what, what I do, what we do do is we plan our vacations all at once, and that we have that set awesome. for the year. But that, that's kind of the fun part of planning. Yeah, that's yeah, good. maybe that. I don't know if that would work for us or not. Well, I you're to more starting to set some personal goals, so it'll be interesting to see if it right, carries over. Right. Or not. <laughs> all right, Chris. So if anybody wants to get in touch with you, uh, where can they find you? Sure. You can find me physically over at Raymond, which is um, by Briarwood Mall in Ann Arbor. i uh, be happy to talk to you on the phone at any time. My number is 734-302-4130, and my email is chris 
Singh, C-H-R-I-S dot Singh at Raymond.com, R-E-H-M-A-N-N.com. I love the phone calls. I'm always wondering what questions are on the other side of the phone when I pick it up. Yeah, it is fun to just talk to anyone, client or not, yeah, um, it because is. there's a lot of stuff going on out there. All right. Thanks so much for joining us. Uh, thanks for listening to the Spark.Grow podcast. And we will be back next month um, with a couple of business owners here in town that you may not have heard of, but they are operating a uh, good business and they're also going through, through some transition. So hopefully we'll get to talk a little bit about that. Thanks for joining us. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to Spark.Grow, a podcast series brought to you by Ann Arbor Spark. To learn more about Spark, visit annarborusa.org. And thank you to the Ann Arbor District Library as our recording partner. You can learn more about their resources at aadl.org.